I want to talk to you a little bit. We're in a series talking about the family and, uh, and how we can strengthen our families. And uh, today we're kind of talking about another aspect of that is, is we're talking about this idea of chemistry within a family environment. Because one of the things that really ticks me off about, about sports teams is not when they win or lose, although we'd rather they win than lose, but, uh, but, but it's really that the chemistry stuff that goes on inside of teams that sometimes is so frustrating. I don't know if you remember uh, several years ago, um, well, started many years ago, but this, this rivalry stuff that was going on in the, in the Lakers basketball team between Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant. Yeah, I don't know if you remember this, but these guys hated each other, and they, and they just destroyed each other. They, they won three national championships together, but everybody said they could have won four, five, six, or more of these national championships, but there's the fact that these guys were so antagonistic with each other that they just couldn't get along, and finally they shipped Shaquille O'Neal off, and that was kind of the end of that. And, and the dynasty that might have been just kind of went through, through the roof, which is fine for me, because I never really liked the Lakers anyway. And uh, so I'm sorry if you're a Lakers fan. We're in trouble, but it, I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. Amen. We'll get an amen there. But what we're talking about, the problem is, is, that, is that there's a chemistry that happens on teams that either really helps you meld together as something amazing, or it just kind of creates this tension and disruption within that team environment. And when we talk about that on teams, the same kind of things happens when we talk about families and when we talk about relationships. And today we're going to be talking about that idea of how do you deal with those chemistry kinds of issues in families or in friendships or work environments or wherever you're at, because what I'm going to talk about is applies to all of those kinds of things. It can either build you up or it can really knock you down. And if you've already been knocked down by stuff like that, you got to think about how can I make it better? How can it be better? And that's what I want to talk to you today about in this sense. Because what we understand from Mark chapter 3, verse 25, it says, if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if you're in a relationship and there's a, a massive amount of conflict going on there, uh, you're in trouble. If you're in a job situation and there's big conflict going on, you're in trouble. And, but there are ways to help those situations. That's what we want to talk about today. The first thing I want to talk about is where do these conflicts come from? And, and the scripture tells us pretty simply that uh, conflicts really begin from just one kind of source. In James chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, it says this. It says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. And that creates this tension. And it is this sense of conflicts coming from competing desires. I want what I want, right? You want what you want. Those don't always mesh together. We end up in some weird kinds of places. We have different interests and different needs and different wants and all those kinds of things. And it just kind of creates this kind of struggle and conflict that happens sometimes. And, and the reality is this, it's just the way life is. Life is never going to be without those kinds of struggles, without those differences, without those kinds of things, because we all have different taste buds and different likes and different preferences and different ways that we go about our lives. And the reality is this is, I don't know how many of you have an electric blanket. If you're married, do you have an electric blanket? Oh, a few of you do. Do you have one controller or two? Two. Why? She's hot and I'm cold. That's it. That's my house. Sorry, that just cost me another 10 bucks. That's the way it goes. We just, we just have those preferences. You know those sleep number beds? 
You know what the big selling point on all that is? That you can adjust one side to one number and the other side to the other. That's all because we have those kind of differences. And life is like that, but that doesn't have to be the end of our relationship because we have different kinds of things going on, our preferences or temperatures or all that kind of stuff. But how do we typically handle those kinds of conflicts? I'll just tell you, there there are five ways that we typically do that. We typically do handle conflicts by saying, well, either I win and you lose. You ever been in a relationship like that? I win, you lose, get over it. Or we're in a relationship just the opposite of that, and we say, you know, I lose, you win. And and neither one of those are very satisfactory. We, We can live with that sometimes. Sometimes we just give up and play dead because we don't want to deal with the battle or we don't want to deal with the conflict, and we just think, well, it'd be better if I just... Don't say anything, and we end up with ulcers and all the rest of that kind of stuff. Those don't work. Sometimes the third option is even worse. The third option is I just quit. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm out. I'm done. I'm done with this relationship. I'm done with this place. I'm done with this job. I'm done with all this stuff. I'm out. Sometimes we do that. Sometimes we tie. We tie. We, we kind of compromise. I, I give a little, and you give a little. I win a little, I, you win a little. I lose a little, you lose a little. We just have this kind of compromise situation that brings us to some place where we, where we kind of figure out how we can live together. And that's better than the first three, because the first three don't work. The first three end in disaster. But there's a better way. And that way is this. We both win. Believe it or not, there is a way that you can both win. Somehow we work out our mutual goals and needs and desires and how we function with those kinds of things, and we both end up in a good position. We both end up happy, and we do that because we care about the relationship, not just the thing, but we care about the relationship, and so working through those kinds of desires and needs, we end up coming to solutions that help us to be able to make it through that. So how do you do that? I'm assuming we want to do that. So how do you do that? That's what I want to talk to you today about. How do you do this? This is just some really practical kinds of things about how can I restore chemistry within my team, whatever that is, your family, your relationship with your spouse, your kids, your work situations, whatever those things are. Finding those places. How do you do that? Restoring uh, the resolution of conflict. How do you do that? I'm going to give you, I think, eight things. It's a long outline. First one is just simply this, become a Christian. Become a Christian. Now, now being a Christian doesn't mean that you'll never have a problem, right? You understand that. Or, or, or somebody tell me different. I mean, if, if you became a Christian and you've never had a problem or a conflict with a relationship problem since then, you just tell me because I'd like to meet you. I'd like to pray for you because you're a liar. But, <laughs> but I, I mean, that's just the way it is. There's... Being a Christian doesn't dissolve all your conflicts and relationships, doesn't make it all go away, but it does do something. It it, it puts us in a a relationship with God that's what he would desire for us. You see, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, it talks about this idea. Jesus is, is praying this Lord's Prayer. He's teaching his disciples to pray, and he says to them, Forgive us our debts, our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. What he's saying is that if you want to be a follower of mine, if you're going to walk that direction, we've got to learn how to live in that kind of relationship. In fact, a little further on, as it describes that kind of situation, it says, if you don't forgive, you'll not be forgiven. This is a pretty big deal. 
And, and we have to understand that, that we have a relationship this way and we have a relationship this way. This does not solve this, but it does two things. One, it helps us to understand that we live as people who have been forgiven. That that's the very foundation of our lives. That we say, when I enter into every relationship, every conversation, every situation that I face, whether it's home, in, in marriage, or family, kids, or work, or just a friendship, I, I enter into that understanding that I am a person who has been forgiven. And that drives my relationship mentality. The second thing it does is this is that when we understand that we have been forgiven and that God is living within our lives, while it doesn't dissolve all of our relationship issues, it does say to us, God is at work in us. You see, much of what we do, we, we, just, we, we sometimes we assume, well, I'm just going to try to do this and I'm going to try to make it better. But I got to tell you, God is on your side. God living within you is a powerful force within you that helps you be a different person and helps how you function with other people be different. And I'll just say, if you want to live that kind of life where, where you're intentionally trying to keep the chemistry of your team together, being a Christian is the place where it starts. A right relationship with God makes relationships with each other better. Well, the second thing is this is that you've got to talk to God about your conflict. Talk to God about the situation. He's on your side. You've got to come to him and say, God, what's going on here? And I'm, I'm upset about this. And God, can I do it? And this is not the upset like, oh, God, would you just send out a lightning bolt on that person and just zap them? Anybody ever prayed like that? I have. <laughs> Lord, forgive me, but I have. <laughs> That's not how I should be praying, but I have, I, I just tell you. But that's not the kind of prayer we're praying. We're, we're praying the kind of prayer that says, God, I need your wisdom, I need your help. Lord, this person needs your blessing. Lord, help them to be who they need to be and help me to be who I need to be. And, and, and we pray those kinds of prayers. And you know what happens sometimes? Sometimes it just is better. Anybody ever done that, had a, had a difficult relationship and you just began to pray, God, I need your help. I don't have any power to do anything different in this. I've tried everything that I can try. I'm doing what I can do. God, I'm just going to give it over to you and I'm, I, I can't do anymore. If I can, tell me, but I, I don't think I can. God do something and God does something. Amen? Can I get a hand? Two hands. Oh, lots of hands on that. I'm telling you, God does that stuff. You're in a conflict? Pray. Pray. Simply is it. The scripture says to us in uh, James 4, 2, it says, you quarrel and you fight. You do not have because you do not ask of God. Maybe we just need to say, God, help me. Help me make it better. Help me be better. Help this situation be better. We just pray. Ask. Third thing is this. You got to analyze the problem. Analyze the problem. Looking at the clock. Okay. I went, I went extra innings in the first service. In the first service, I, I said, I'm sorry, guys. I know this is long, and I've gone too late. And, and the guy came up to me after the service. He says, Pastor, you didn't go too long. You just went into extra innings. It's, it's Jersey Day. It's okay. <laughs> you get more game for your money. <laughs> same price, same ticket. You get to stay extra innings. So I, I'll try not to do that. I'll, I'll, I'm going to try to go faster so we don't have to do extra innings. But anyway, analyze the problem. Analyze the problem. And, and this analysis is not, you know, 
well, they're doing this wrong and they're doing that wrong and why don't they do this and why don't they do that? This is the analysis that says, God, what's my part in this situation? What am I doing? What am I doing? Have I got a blind spot in my mindset in this relationship? Uh, last week we were talking about family stuff and, and somebody came up to me and he said, this is, you know, it's kind of corny. If, and if you said it to me, I don't mean to say that what you said was corny, but it is kind of corny. I guess I've already said it, so it's too late. Apologize. Uh, forgive me. <laughs> Give me grace and mercy. They said to me, you know, you remember the old thing you say when you point your finger at somebody you're, and your mom and daddy said, don't point your finger at them because you got three fingers pointing back at yourself? You know, it's kind of silly, but it really is true. There's that kind of thing to say, you know, don't, you don't need to point at somebody else. We need to have three times as much pointing at ourselves to say, what am I doing? What's my role? What's my part of this situation? Matthew 7, 3 says, why then do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the log in your own eye? Take the log out of your own eye first, and then you'll be able to see to take out the speck out of your brother's eye. And sometimes that's just the reality. We need to start in this whole process, besides getting right relationship with God, besides praying, we need to say, okay, God, what's my part in this? Because the reality is it's always a partnership. It takes two to tango, as it says. It, it's always both-sided. It's never, well, I shouldn't say it's never, never, but it's rarely, if ever, one-sided. We need to ask ourselves, am I part of the problem? Or, or not if I am. What part of the problem am I? <laughs> am I being too demanding? Am I being unrealistic? Am I oversensitive? Am I impatient? Am I insensitive to them? There's just that kind of thing. We need to be asking ourselves those kinds of questions. Yes? John, 1 John 1, 8 says, If we say we have not sinned, we're just deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. We just have to be honest about our relationships enough to say, yeah, it's probably me. I, I'm in this. I'm in this, and I've got to do something. And the fourth thing is this. You've got to schedule a peace conference. This is a time to just sit down face-to-face and begin to deal with the issues that your relationship has. Now, I'll be honest with you. I don't know anybody that wakes up in the morning and says, Wow! I've got a conflict with this person. I'm so excited. I'm going I'm to resolve that today. I'm going to go over to their house. I'm just looking forward to that kind of conversation. We've had this meeting scheduled, and man, I, it's going to be so good. It's just great. I love to talk about all this stuff, right? If that's you, you need to come see me because you're sick. You have a problem, and the first part of it is acknowledging the problem, and then we, we can kind of go from there. But Nobody, nobody likes to do that stuff. Nobody wants to have those conversations. But I'm just telling you, if, if, you, don't, if you don't face some of that stuff, it, it's going to implode on you or explode on you. It, it, you just, you've got to deal with that stuff somewhere along the way. It, it's just the way it is. Listen, listen to these scriptures. It says, Matthew 5, 28 and 24 says this. If you are offering your gift in the altar and there remember that you, your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. There is something about the brokenness of our relationships that does influence our capacity to authentically worship. 
You can certainly go through the motions, and God can certainly break in on you. I'm not saying he can't. But I'm just saying there's something that happens when we're out of sync with one another that impacts our worship. 1 Peter 3.7 says, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. I don't know how, how all that works. I kind of think the way that works primarily is when you're not in a right, right relationship with your spouse, you don't want to pray. That's probably how your prayers are hindered. It's because you're not praying. It, it could be more than that. I, I, don't, I don't know the, all the explanation of this. I just know that, that when we're out of sync here, we're out of sync here. There's something related to that. So, so you have to kind of say, okay, God, I cannot just keep on going and thinking I'm going to be this spiritual giant and yet I have all this stuff going on in my relationships. It just doesn't work that way. You've got to invest in those relationships, even when it's painful. So how are you going to do that? First, choose the right time. Timing is everything in conflict resolution. As someone is walking out the door on their way to work, that's probably not the right time to say, you know, there are just a couple things I'd like to talk to you about. Timing. If someone is a morning person and the other person is a nighttime person, well, you're going to have to find something in the middle somewhere because, you know, you're, you're going to, one or the other, you're going to be at a major disadvantage there. The right place. You need to find some place that's neutral, some place away from the kids, some place away from the phone, some place where you can really talk. You know, it's like inviting somebody over and say, hey, let's go have dinner. I want to tell you I want a divorce today. And you're, you know, you're out there, and then you can't talk about it because you're at a party or something like that. Don't do that. That's, that's like sabotage. That's, a, that's a, just a nasty kind of thing. Don't do those kind of things. And, and, and the third thing I would just say to you as you're trying to get ready for this is, is you got to pray. You really have to begin to pray. Pray that your heart would be in the right place, that, that you would come into those kinds of meetings with a spirit of reconciliation, with a spirit of peace, with a desire to, to make a relationship better with one another. You've got to come into those kind of places not desiring to attack that person, but to resolve a situation or a problem. Because guess what? You're on the same team. You wear the same jersey. You're committed to one another. You're, you're in this process. So go at it. Now, when you get together, how, how are you going to do that? I, I, I wish this stuff was mine, but it's not. It's borrowed. Um, but I want to talk to you about some ground rules, establishing ground rules when you do meet. I, I'm going to give you, I think there's seven or eight of them, seven of them, seven of them, and uh, they all start with never, and one of the ground rules is never use the word never. So I, I don't know how that works, but you'll bear with me, and we'll, we'll make it through that. But, but here's what they are. They say never compare. Never compare in your conversations. You know, I went through these and I read these and I went, ooh, ooh, ooh. I, I probably have seven of them. I have completely massacred at least four of them in my life. And um, not real proud of that, but, but it's, it's a reality. And the, and the first one is never compare. Why aren't you more like your sister? Why aren't you more like, hey, does anybody, no, don't raise your hand. I've said that. Or, or the other side, you know, you remind me a lot of your mother. Yeah, I've said that. <laughs> Sorry. She already told me that was going to cost her, but I said that was on myself. I was telling on myself, so that didn't cost me too much. So, Double. That cost me double. Okay. Second blessing. Okay, good. 
You know, don't do those things because, because it, 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 God, God has made them unique people. Even if, even if their uniqueness is one of those, you know, there's unique and then there's, oh, that's unique. You know, so even if there's those kind of things going on, they are unique. So you kind of got to just let them be who they are regardless of those things. So never compare, never condemn, never condemn. You, don't ever use the phrase. No. <laughs> don't ever say, you always. You never. Anybody ever started a sentence out like that? Or you ought to be doing this, or you should be doing that. In general, don't use the word you. Use the word I. Use the word I. I feel this way, or I need this, or I think this, or you know, I whatever. And, and that will help you in this conversation because we're very much more likely to listen and receive something when somebody's talking about themselves than when we're saying, you, this is the way you are kind of deal. You just kind of got to get past that. Just got to accept that. You don't have to necessarily agree with what everybody's saying, but you got to hear them. Third one is this, never command. I'm telling you, don't ever command. Never, never command. Don't, don't say to something, you're not going to do that, or you'll never do that, or you, don't, don't go there, because it, it just doesn't work. And the one that's really related to that is the fourth one is never challenge. That, that's a command with a threat. A command with a threat is that, if you ever do that again, I'm going to X, Y, Z. Don't do that. It's like drawing a line in the sand. What did you do when somebody drew a line in the sand when you were a kid? I stepped right over it. I dare you to push me again. Well, guess what? They're going to get pushed again. It doesn't work. And can I just tell you, do you know where the three most common threat areas are? Three most common threats revolve around sex, money, and divorce. That's it. You do that again, you're not getting any nookie nookie. Okay, I'm just telling you. Whatever. Nookie nookie is good, but you're not getting it. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I mean... Y'all laughing at that because you all done that. I mean, I don't know. You're maybe, maybe not. Maybe you have. I don't know. <laughs> but sometimes we think we'll do that, that, that we'll control a situation by, by we cut each other off physically with each other. Scripture says not to do that, by the way. I can give you the reference for that. that that's not a healthy way to interact with one another. Sometimes we say, you know, if you, if you buy one more of X, Y, Z, I'm going to take the checkbook away from you, or I'm going to close that account, or I'm going to da-da-da-da. Or as a kid, we're going to take your allowance away. Yeah, sorry, that, that filter's down. You can use that one. You can say, next time your parents say that to you guys, you just say, the pastor said not to do that. I mean, I don't want to go against you, Mom, but, you know, the pastor said. <laughs> sorry, I could be in trouble, sorry. But, you know... Threatening people with, you do this and you're, I mean, I mean, it is one thing with kids and consequences and all the rest of that, but it, it, it's not, it doesn't build for long-term health. Uh, you want to avoid those things. And the ultimate one we use is, you do that, I'm going to divorce you. Um, those are the three big areas that people threaten each other over. And um, it, it's uh, not a good thing. Fifth one is this. Never condescend. 
Never condescend. Don't treat people as less than they are. I, I, this, comes out, uh, <coughs> this comes out of me in sarcasm. This is what I, I do too often. I get sarcastic. Oh, yeah, you are really good at that. Yeah, good. I, I, I get sarcastic, and it uh, comes out of frustration and all the rest of that, but it's not a, not a healthy response in a relationship and, because it, it really demeans the other person and doesn't get us where we want to go in a relationship. The sixth one is never contradict. Never contradict. Contradicting is, is when before I've even got my sentence finished, you already know, you know what I'm going to say, and you're already saying the response that needs to happen in relation to that. Done that one too. I, I read uh, somewhere that uh, we, we hear much faster than people can speak, and so we tend to jump ahead of people really quickly, and especially if you're slow like me and I just like to explain myself and, you know, I won't say who, but someone else in my family goes a little faster than I do. And contradicts. Don't, don't jump in on each other's sentence. Just let a, say your piece. Uh, let the person say their piece. You'll get a chance to say your piece. Kind of just let it come. It may go slow, but just be patient with one another. Stay focused on what they're saying, not about what you're going to say. Seventh one is this, never confuse. And this is, this is when you bring up something kind of semi-unrelated to the situation. You may be dealing with a, a specific kind of conflictual kind of situation, and usually this happens when it's getting a little too hot for the conversation, and um, you're getting a little uncomfortable with the situation, and, and you bring up a whole other idea. And you say, well, what about this over here? Or something bizarre. I mean, it could be another conflict, or it could be a whole other, like, hey, what are we doing for dinner tomorrow? Kind of thing like I don't want to talk about this. Uh, don't do those things because it just sends the issues way out. In short, this is the deal: attack the problem, not the person. Almost all of these are ways in which we are attacking each other in a relationship. And and God says, don't do that. I mean, just attack the problem. Deal with the problem. Don't attack the person. And if we'll function with that kind of way, we'll get a longer way through those kind of peace conferences. Proverbs 11.29 says, The fool who provokes his family to anger and resentment will finally have nothing worthwhile left. It's, really, it's foolish to unintentionally or intentionally create conflict or disrupt those kinds of conversations. You, you may think you're avoiding something, or you may think you're getting the upper hand at a moment, but I'm telling you, in the long run, you are going to destroy those relationships. You're going to destroy a relationship with your spouse, destroy a relationship with your children, with your friends, with that kind of stuff. You, you have to just walk through the process and let people say what they need to say. Be willing to journey down that trail. Otherwise, you're, you're dreaming about having a, that chemistry back in your life. The sixth one is this. You've got to switch your focus. You've got to switch your focus. We, we have to intentionally take the emphasis and the focus off of ourselves and get it onto the other person. And, and that's not easy to do because it, it says, I've got to say, I'm not the center of what's going on here. I don't have to be the center. I'm not going to be the center. I'm going to actually say, 
what is it that that other person actually needs? They're, they're talking about something. What is it that they need? Philippians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5 says this, Each of you should look out not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. See, Paul was talking to the Philippians about a relational kind of thing. He's saying, this is how your faith gets lived out in relation to other people. That we live out the model of Christ. And the model of Christ was this, was that he didn't do what we'd have done. If we were God, we'd have said, you know, those people are so stupid. They've done so many dumb things. I'm so tired of them doing so many things. They're done. I'm going to leave them to their own devices. And boy, if they go down, they go down. Because I'm right and they're wrong, right? That's probably what we've done. God says, I see there's a need. I'm going to go to them. That, that's the model we have. And, and, and if we're going to have restore that chemistry within our families, if we're going to build for those relationships, we're going to resolve conflict, we've got to be willing to say, I'm going to look at this from their perspective. I'm going to see what their issues are, what their needs are, what, what they need to help make this thing happen. But usually we're so preoccupied with our own stuff and our own needs and our own anger and our own whatever that we don't get there. We don't get there. But we've got to switch our focus. And let, me, let me just give you, a, and maybe guys you need this more. I don't know. Maybe it's the women. Maybe it's guys. I don't know. We all need to know this. I'm going to give you a really big couple words that you can say which will revolutionize your relationships. And this is it. Just learn to really say and mean the words, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You've got to learn to back up. Some of us have real strong forward gears. We, our reverse doesn't work for me. Sometimes you just have to back up and say, I'm sorry, I didn't say that very well. I'm sorry. I didn't do the right thing. Or in this context, I'm sorry. This will really get you a long way. I'm sorry. I was only thinking of myself when I said that or did that. Try that the next time you're in a conflict. And just you might be amazed at how fast things could get resolved when you kind of approach it in that kind of mindset. I'm sorry, I was just thinking about myself. Seventh thing is this, ask for advice. If you enter into these kinds of conversations with those people that you're having a struggle with in relationships, if you'll enter into it with that kind of mindset, you're going to make progress. Believe it or not, you are going to make progress. And it's not the kind of progress that you say, man, we had a good conversation today, and boy, I'm so glad that's resolved. Guess what? It's probably not going to be resolved. Don't, don't live in a fantasy world. It's probably going to take multiple conversations over time. That's okay. That's okay. That, that's the way that works. But, it, but if you reach a place where it, it's just not moving anywhere, it's okay to ask somebody for help. The fact that, the fact that you ask somebody for help 
doesn't mean that you're a failure as a spouse, as a father, as a whatever. Yeah? If you broke your leg, who'd you go see? You'd go see a doctor, right? Somebody who's trained professional in that. If your car broke down, who would you go see? Well, I go see my father because he always took care of that stuff, right? You go see a mechanic, somebody who hopefully has been trained in that. <laughs> if you have a broken relationship, it's okay to go see somebody who's a trained professional, right? It's okay. And if you need the name of somebody who's a trained Christian professional, <laughs> it's okay. Come talk to me. We'll, we can help you find people. We have some people right here in our own congregation. That's what they do. We have other people in our community. That's what they do. And it's okay. It doesn't mean that you're a failure to say, I need help to move this conflict out of this stalemate position. It's okay. Good. Last one is this. Don't give up. Don't give up. We, we live in a day and age when it's very easy to just kind of give up and walk out, and I'm done. We do that with our friends. Uh, my, my daughter came home heartbroken one day when she was a little kid, and you know what Cortez? <laughs> She'd say, my friend came up to me and she said, Cortez, cut, that's to be cut. Don't cut me off. We do that with our friendships. We do that with our marriages. We do that with jobs. We do that with all kinds of stuff. We, we just cut it off. And it's easy. And we tend to just say, well, it's the way it is. And I encourage you not to give up. Don't give up. When you're in that process, it goes through three stages. First one, stage one is recognition. You just recognize that you have a problem. That's beginning like, aha. <laughs> Obviously, there is something not right in, in this relationship. Just recognizing that is a good start. Second thing is this. Is, is stage two is reaction. This is usually when we say, oh, my, that problem is worse than I ever thought it was. It, it's bigger. And, and in, in stage two is usually when you, all stuff comes out. I mean, the hurt, the bitterness, the anger, the frustration, all of that stuff just kind of flows out. Honestly, most people get stuck in stage two, and they just stop the process. They either stay, they stay in the relationship, but they stop the process and just bury it, or they walk out on the relationship. Stage three is resolution. What can we do to make it better? And we start that process of saying we're taking steps to make it better. Because I'm not walking out. I'm not giving up. This is really hard, and I'm, and I'm saying this knowing that we live in a broken society and a broken world where relationships seem to come and go very quickly. And, um, and there are those of you out here uh, who have experienced divorce. Uh, we would be naive in a room this size if we thought every relationship in this room was just like hunky-dory good. I know better. And I don't even know all of your stories. I just know better. And sometimes we have experienced divorce and mess, and, and honestly, we have tried to keep it together. I know people like that, where divorce is thrust on them and those kinds of things happen. 
and we don't have any control. And that's true for our kids. I don't have any control. They just went off and did this, and I'm stuck with it. But can I just say, as much as possible, don't give up on trying to restore relationships. Don't give up. Sometimes you have no choice. Um, but if you have a choice, don't give up. Galatians 6.9 says, Let us not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not God is on the side of families and relationships. He's on your side. He wants healthy, strong relationships. That's not always easy, but he's on your side. I, I want to pray for you today. I am only in the first inning of extra overtime. so I'm going to count every five minutes as one inning. And I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you in two, two ways. One, uh, I really do believe that the best, first best way of resolving conflict and, and restoring chemistry in a family is to make sure that your relationship with God is in the right place. And say, God, either, either one or two things. God, I've been trying to do this on my own, and I can't do it on my own anymore. I need you to come into my life. Forgive me for all the stupid things that I've done. Jesus for using the S word. I'm not to do that. Forgive me for all the dumb things I've ever done. Come into my life. Help me to live in your forgiveness. And I can tell you, when God does that, it's not because you've done something so good. It's just because of who God is, that he loves you. I, I want to invite you to either start there, if you've never done that, or maybe it's a place where you have to say, God, don't ever let me forget. You forgave me. And I acknowledge that today. I affirm that today, afresh and new. You have forgiven me. I, I want to invite you to just start at that place. In a minute, we're going to pray. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, and I'm, going to, I'm just going to ask you, if, if that's you, just raise your hand. And, and I'm not going to have you do anything else. You don't have to sign a card. I would love to talk to you if you would take a moment to stop and talk to me, but, but you don't have to. You can just, between you and God, you can make that happen. I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand, and I'm just going to, I won't call you out by name or anything. And then I'm going to ask you a second question. And this question is this. If you have a relationship that you say, Pastor, I really want God to help me begin to restore the chemistry in my relationship with somebody. And that's, again, whether it's a marriage or family or friendship or work situation. If you just say, Pastor, pray for me. I've got one of those that I want to make better. I want to, I want to begin to implement some of this stuff. I'm going to ask you that's the second question I'm going to ask. Because God is on your side. God wants to see strong relationships. Amen? Would you bow your heads and pray with me? I'm going to ask you those two questions. Do you need to 
kind of get that forgiveness stuff going straight with God today? Either for the very first time or, or maybe just reaffirm that because you've kind of forgotten that. Maybe you just need to remember that in your, your relationship. If that's you, I, I want to just pray for you. Just raise your hand. If that's you, say, Pastor, see, when you raise a hand like that, you're just saying, God, <laughs> without one word said, you're saying, God, I receive your forgiveness. I remember your forgiveness. Help me live like that. Help me live like a forgiven person. Now, maybe you're here and, and you just you say, Pastor, I've got a very specific relationship I'm working on that's struggling. And I need God's help. If you'd like prayer for that, and again, one more time, it's not about me praying, but it really is about you acknowledging, God, I'm giving you permission to work in this relationship. I'm raising my hand because I've got one of those. Anybody else got one of those you say? I see other hands, similar hands. Good, good. Then let's just pray. Father, you have this amazing, crazy idea that you want to live in relationship with us. You love us. I don't get it, but you do, and I receive it. And just for the asking, you forgive us. Lord, lots of hands here today said, God, I need that forgiveness in my life. God, help me remember that I am a forgiven person. Lord, I pray for those that raise those hands first, Lord. Lord, continue to work in their lives. Continue to remind them that they are people forgiven, not because they're so good, but because they're so bad. <laughs> and you love us so much. It's not about us. It's about you and your great love for us. Never let him forget. You loved us so much that you died for us that we might be forgiven. So Lord, we receive that. We remember that today. And our raised hands affirm that choice. And Lord, many of us here, Lord, we love you. We get it. And yet sometimes we are in challenging relationships. And a whole bunch of people raise their hand to say, Pastor, <laughs> well, not Pastor. Oh, God, I need help. I pray, Lord, for every one of us, myself included, who raised our hands. Lord, help us. Help us to resolve issues. Help us to allow you to work in us. Help us to take the blinders off of our own eyes. Lord, help us to see others from their perspective. Help us to just live in relationships as you live in relationship with us. So God, for every hand that's raised and for many who didn't raise them, but feel it, would you help resolve some stuff? Would you help some steps be made that would help us restore that good chemistry on our team. <laughs> our friendship, our marriage, our kids, our work. Lord, all that we are, all that we have, 
all that uh, we'd ever dreamed to be is in you. So Lord, lead us and guide us, shape us and mold us, transform our hearts, our minds, our attitudes, our relationships. We give you permission and we say thank you for you are a God that works. You are a God that transforms. You are a God that restores. You are a God that heals brokenness. Thank you.